Good morning. Welcome to everyone here this morning in the sanctuary. Welcome to those watching on Facebook Live and those also listening on T102 this morning. Not the nicest morning outside, but sure is great to be able to get together and celebrate with our mothers today on this special day. So I uh, encourage everyone to remember, love on, and rejoice with your mothers as we go through this day. What a special day for them. We have a few announcements to start our service this morning. Consistory has called a con congregational meeting for next Sunday, May 16th, following morning worship to discuss and approve necessary repairs to and the removal of portion of our church's chimney. Today, parents, grandparents, and friends are invited to visit the pre-K and kindergarten, first grade, and third and fourth grade Sunday school classrooms for their Mother's Day open house following the worship this morning. There's no Bible, adult Bible study class in the ministry center today. It will resume next week. And now, if you would, I'd ask that you would please stand and join me in the call to worship. Our call to worship today comes from the book of from Psalms, book number 57, chapter 57, verses 5 and 7 through 11. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And now we will remain standing and sing our first praise song, Waymaker.
be seated, and we, this time we ask that the children come forward for the children's chat. Testing. Ooh, I'm on. Good deal. Wow, look at all you guys. I'm so excited that you're all here this morning. But before I talk to you guys, I want to talk to your moms for a minute. Can I do that? All right, moms, way to go. Look at all of these little people that are up here. This is where you get your A+. You have your children here at church. To learn about God. And that is the beginning. So true. So, brought my mom purse along this morning. Does your mom have a big purse? Do you know why moms have big purses? Well, because you never know what you're going to need. You've got to have your cell phone. Because even if your kids are big like mine, sometimes they still need to talk to mom. And that's a great thing. Got your chapstick because you never know when you're going to have those chapped lips, maybe from giving kisses to their kids. Zing? Um, let's see. What's this? Band-Aid. Yeah, never know when you're going to need a Band-Aid. When you have owies. Yep. Yep. What about this? A tissue. Do we need tissue sometimes? Yeah, we never know when we're going to need a tissue. Yep, boo-boos happen. That's why we have Band-Aids. Yep. You know what this is? It's like a baby wipe. Because you never know when we get into a mess and we need to have our fingers cleaned. Yep. We might have, mom might have to have like an extra granola bar for her so she can keep up with you guys. You think? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So, what are some of your favorite things to do with mom? Raylan, what's your favorite thing to do with mom? Go shopping. Perfect. What about you, Lila? What do you like to do with mom? You like to shop too? Kaysen, what do you like to do with mom? You like to help mom do the dishes. Good job, mom. What about you, Luke? You like to snuggle with mom and watch TV. That's cool. Miles, what do you like to do with mom? You help mom clean up? Excellent. Millie, what do you like to do with mom? Go shopping. Yeah. There are lots of fun things to do with mom. And today is Mother's Day. And do you know in the Bible there are all kinds of things, like there are several Bible verses that talk to us about how important moms are. You, Mommy made you pancakes? Gotcha. At your house? Cool. All right. In Proverbs, it tells us a lot about mothers. It says, 
She opens her mouth with wisdom, and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Does mom teach you? Yes. Yes. And she and she corrects you, and sometimes she has to discipline you, because you know what in the Bible it tells moms that we're allowed to do that too, because we're supposed to raise you up to be good people. So that means we're allowed to discipline you sometimes. Um, it says, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So it's telling us we need to honor our moms. Okay, we need to honor our moms. How can you honor your mom? How are you going to love mom today? What? You could give her something. You could have spent money and given her something, but you know what? I bet she would like even better than it, and it costs no money at all. Well, yeah, peace and quiet would be a good one. <laughs> it's coming your way. What else could we give mom that doesn't cost anything? A hug. A hug and a kiss. Maybe a flower. Yeah. Those are all things that you can give mom, and it doesn't cost you anything. Now, should you only do that today? No? How often should you do it? Every day. Yeah, moms would like that every day. All right. So in the Gospel of Luke, for us mothers, he says, and, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. You know what? Moms treasure up you guys in their hearts. You're very special to them, and they love you very much. Okay? And the things that you do, we get really excited about that. Okay? And so um, as we celebrate Mother's Day and we think about our grandmas too, we want to remember the special things that we do with them. Can we do that today? All right. So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for these children. Thank you for mothers and those who are not our mothers, but are our mothers. Thank you for our grandmothers, for us to learn from as mothers. Thank you for these children, for the blessings they are. Please be with them. Keep them healthy and safe. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, kids, for being up here. And again, happy Mother's Day to all our mothers that are here with us this morning. This morning, we're going to get ready to collect our offering. The offering this morning does go to the Those in Need Fund. So as we give this morning, I want to encourage you to, to also be in prayer for those that were able to help with that fund. That's a, a great opportunity for us as a church to be the hands and feet of Christ in a, in a very practical way. And it's, and it's a, a joy to be able to use these funds to help people who are in need. So as you give today, I want you to think about that and certainly pray for those in our community, um, in our nation, around our world who are in need this morning. Uh, so I want this time invite the deacons to come forward to collect their offering.
Amen. You may be seated. So I want to take a moment and just remind us to be lifting each other up in prayer that here this morning. Um, and also let's take a moment to remember that there's much to be thankful and to praise God for. Um, during our, our prayer time, our focus often goes to those things that, that are troubling us, those burdens that we carry. And rightfully so, Jesus invites us to come and lay those burdens at his feet and take up his yoke, which is easy and light. But God also calls us to praise him and, and thank him for the many ways that he's blessed us. And so today, let's be thankful for, for those blessings in our lives. And particularly, let's be thankful for, for the mothers that God has given us and, uh, and the mothers that are in our lives. And so I want to encourage you to be pra praising God and thanking him for that as well. Uh, please be praying for those that are represented in our prayers and concerns list too. Um, and continue to lift up your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we do so, you know, as we, as we pray, as we lift up our joys and our praises, as we lift up our burdens and our concerns, it's one way that we can seek God out and seek first his kingdom. Because when we make him our number one priority in both our joys and in our hardships, um, that means that we're seeking him first. So as we continue to think uh, prayerfully about how we want to go to the Lord in prayer this morning, let's continue to worship him by standing and singing number 42, Seek Ye First, in your blue hymnal. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you invite us to seek you first. That you tell us that when we ask, it shall be given to us. When we seek, we shall find. And when we knock, the door will be opened. Lord, that promise is for all of your people. That when we come to you in prayer, when we lift up our joys and concerns, our burdens and our sorrows to, to you, you will meet us in that place. Lord, you never guarantee that the promise will be, that the answer to that prayer will be exactly what we want, but it'll certainly be what we need. And so I thank you that you are a good and loving and caring God who meets us in our, the circumstances of our lives. And on this Mother's Day, we come to you and, and we thank you for the mothers in our midst. We thank you for grandmothers and great-grandmothers. We thank you for those who serve in a motherly role, even if they are not mothers themselves. And we certainly also pray for those who long to be mothers and are not, and those who long to have mothers and miss them. 
And so, Lord God, we thank you that you are you are a caring and loving God. That even in Scripture, you're described as a as a loving parent, a loving parent who cares for and nurtures your children. Thank you, Lord, that you, as God, give us an example of what what both good fathership looks like, fatherhood looks like, and also motherhood. And we thank you, Lord, for that, and that you are a caring and loving God. And may we all, in all of our individual roles, seek you first and seek to model and emulate your loving kindness in our lives. We pray for those, Lord, who are in need this morning. We ask for your goodness to be evident. We ask for your glory to go forth. And we ask in all things, Lord, that you would work according to your will and your promises and your word. Lord, we thank you that we can look to you and rely on you for everything that we need. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to to know and experience that always in our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And you may be seated. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you. I invite you to pray with me once again. Father God, thank you now that we can come to you and, and spend time in your word studying it together. I thank you that we can sing your praises and pray and hear scripture And now study it together as one people, as your body here in this place. I thank you for each person that's here, both in the sanctuary as well as those that are hearing on the radio and and listening in on Facebook. I pray that all, Lord, would be uh, encouraged and edified through your word today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. When I was in college and seminary, I remember receiving a syllabus, right? And that had all of the important information that we were going to go over in the class. So whether it was due dates for homework assignments, major topics that were going to be covered, and certainly what the exams laid out for us was all covered on the syllabus. And usually we spent a portion of the first class covering that information. But as we'd go through the course of study, as we go through the semester, there was always that one kid in the class who would always ask, is this going to be on the final exam? Is this going to be on the test? 
And, and it never failed. The professor would always say, well, look at the syllabus, right? The syllabus tells you what is going to be on the test. If we were preparing a syllabus for what it means to follow Jesus and be his disciples, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 would certainly be on the syllabus. It would be underlined and it would be bolded. And yes, it would be on the final exam. Of all the things that Jesus said and taught, there are two that rise to the top of the list. The great commandment and the great commission. They're so important, in fact, that we give them their own names and titles. The great commandment is found in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission is found here in the passage that we're studying today. Go and make disciples of all nations. Right, that's it. Those two statements, love God and love others, and make disciples, is at the very core of what it means to follow Jesus. And so Jesus here is, is appearing once again to his disciples. Remember, we've been studying these resurrection appearances all along these last few weeks. And over the course of 40 days, Jesus had been appearing to his disciples over and over and over again. But here we're getting a glimpse at the final message. It comes at the very close of Matthew chapter 28 of Matthew's gospel. And it kind of parallels with the passage we'll look at next week, which is in Acts chapter 1. So it closes out the gospels and opens up the book of Acts. In this one last appearance before Jesus ascends to be with the Father in heaven, he gives them this command to go and make disciples. And so with syllabus and, and final exams in mind, I had three questions I wanted to, I wanted to examine for us today. And we're going to use this to look at the text this morning. One is, who is this great commission for? The second question is, why does Jesus give us the responsibility to carry it out? And finally, how do we do it? How do we live it out? So we're going to look at those three questions here today. First, let's look at who the Great Commission is for. Now, Jesus here in Matthew chapter 28 is meeting with his 11 disciples, right? These are the individuals who've been following him day in and day out for uh, roughly three years now. Jesus, they had witnessed Jesus do miracles. They had witnessed his teaching. And they themselves had been sent out to teach and to heal at a couple different points in Jesus' ministry. But we must remember that these apostles were ordinary men. They were ordinary men, but they did extraordinary things because they trusted, they obeyed, and they depended on God. Right? That's the key to it all. Right? They weren't, there wasn't something inherently special about the 11 of them. In fact, they were fishermen and tax collectors. Right? Um, they, they were, even in the book of Acts, as they begin to preach and teach, the religious leaders look at them and say, who are these guys? They're uneducated, right? There was nothing particularly special or significant about the apostles themselves. So what made the difference? It was their trust, their obedience, their dependence on God. That's what made the difference. And so as Jesus is giving these com this command to go and make disciples of all nations, he's not talking to just these 11 disciples. He's talking to them, but through them, he's talking to all who would become disciples after them through their ministry, through their teaching. And you know what that means? 2,000 years later, it means that we're his disciples too. And we're called to live out the Great Commission as well. When Jesus gives this command to his disciples, he wasn't just talking to them, he was talking to all of us. We are all his disciples. And that's what Jesus wants us to be. right? Jesus wants disciples. He doesn't want fans. He doesn't want acquaintances. And he certainly doesn't want Facebook friends or, or retweets on Twitter. 
right? He wants disciples. He wants people that are committed to following him, to seeking him first, and to then share that good news with others. But in order to fulfill this great commission, in order to be a disciple maker, we must first be disciples ourselves. Notice here how this passage starts. We tend to focus a lot on the great commission, which comes in the final verses. But notice what happens when they first encounter Jesus on the mountains. It says that they worshiped. They worshiped him. That's a new step. All along through their ministry, they'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him, uh, you know, point people to God. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, something obviously changed. Something clicked for them in their minds. And they moved from simply following Jesus to worshiping him as God. That's a new step for them. Their perspective had changed. And they recognized that Jesus certainly is God who deserves our worship. Now it's interesting to note that some doubted even. And we talked about this a little bit more in depth a couple weeks ago when we looked at Doubting Thomas. But it's important to note that all worshiped even though some doubted. Right, we talked about how doubt doesn't stop our worship. Doubt should not, is not an end in our, in our faith journey. Doubt doesn't stop them from worshiping, that, worshiping Jesus. They didn't understand everything that had happened. It was too big and too glorious and too wonderful to wrap their minds around, but they still worshiped him. So don't forget, when those doubts creep in your mind, when questions maybe arise, when you have concerns, Worship God, right? Put him first, seek him out. And in your doubt and through your doubt, you can worship. In fact, I believe one of the best ways to process your doubts is through, through worship, through putting him first. See, that's what faith is really all about, right? Trusting in God, trusting him even in the midst of our doubts, even when we don't fully understand his will or his plan for us. That is the essence of faith. And so if we want to be disciple makers, if we want to live out this great commission, we need to make sure that we are focusing on our own discipleship as well. We can't make disciples if we're not disciples. All these things, teaching to obey Jesus' commands, you know, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all must be, first be implemented in our own lives before we can pass it on to others. Christian discipleship is not a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do model of teaching. Right? It is the, the essence of Christian discipleship is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, when he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? That's what Christian discipleship is about. Leaders lead best when they are following Jesus. And they have a great responsibility to make sure they're pointing to Jesus and not leading people astray. Right? Whether they're you know, leaders in, in official capacities like pastors or, or elders or members of consistory or Sunday school teachers, or whether they're leaders in a more informal sense, all people have a responsibility to make sure they're following Jesus so that others may see Jesus as well. But those who follow must also make sure they're following leaders who are putting Jesus first, right? There's a, it's a double-sided coin there. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So as a leader, I need to make sure I'm following Jesus so people can see that in my own life. But I also need to make sure that I'm following people that are following Jesus, right? There's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's a two-sided coin. Now let me pause for a moment here too, because some of you may be thinking, all right, I'm not perfect. I don't follow Jesus as good as I know I should. 
And so therefore, I can't be in this business of making disciples because I'll just lead people astray. Well, let let me remind you that there is no perfect disciple, right? There is no perfect follower of Christ. None of us are perfect. In Philippians, speaking about the faith he has in Christ and what it means to trust in that and receive that faith, receive that righteousness that comes through faith, Paul says this in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Right, do you hear what Paul is saying here? He says, even, even Paul hasn't arrived. Even he's not perfect, but he presses on. Right? He keeps going and keeps seeking hard after Christ. That's at the core of discipleship, striving to know him and follow him better each and every day. And one of the best ways that we can do this, one of the best ways that we can seek after Christ and make sure we're following him is by learning, excuse me, by teaching others to do the same. I had many opportunities when I was a college student to be a graduate assistant in different capacities uh, for different classes. And I found that I learned more as a graduate assistant helping to teach others or tutor others than I ever did when I took the class the first time around. I felt severely underprepared and unequipped to teach because I because I didn't feel like I was quite there yet. But being in that position of trying to explain or teach something to somebody else made all the difference for me. Once I was in that position where I had to try to pass on that knowledge or model it for someone else, then it made it more real in my own life and in my own mind. And the same is true for Christian discipleship. If we want to be better disciples, then we, want to, we can start by modeling that to someone else, by focusing on teaching another person. And I'll pause here once again. Today's Mother's Day, right? Mothers, you have a wonderful opportunity to do that. And you don't have to even go outside your home. You have your children, whether they're adult children, whether they're young kids, you have an opportunity to model what it means to follow Christ. And this goes for dads too, but today's Mother's Day, so I'm going to focus on the moms. There was a woman in our, at the church I served in as youth pastor that I got to know very well, and she had a heart for missions. She, she wanted to go, you know, most people say, Lord, I'll follow you as long as you don't send me to Africa. She was ready to go. She would pack her bags in a moment to go and serve as a missionary. But that's not what God was calling her to. You know, she, she was home. You know, she had young kids. She loved on them and took care of them. She, she longed to go and, and serve in a mission field somewhere. And then we had a conversation one day, and she talked about how God finally kind of, after, after repeated attempts, finally drilled something into her brain, right? She was on a mission field. She was serving the Lord. She was making disciples, and it was the kids that she was raising at home, right? It was the family that God had placed her in. It was the, it was the community that she had placed her. And then she realized that God, she was a missionary, right? It was just within her own family, within her own home, within her workplace, right? God has called us all to be missionaries. God has called us all to, to serve him in some capacity. And we don't have to go to Africa, go to Asia, go to South America, or anywhere else to do it. We can live out that calling where God has placed us. And moms, you have a wonderful opportunity to do just that. 
So the who question, right? Who does God call to make disciples? It's all of us. Let's move on to the next question. Why does Jesus give this responsibility to us? And this text gives us two very clear answers. Because he's God and because he has all authority in heaven and earth. Right? We've already seen the disciples begin to worship Jesus. This was a big step, right? This was them acknowledging very, in a very real way that Jesus is God. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a great example to follow. Jesus was and is God who deserves our worship. And then Jesus himself says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Right? That's a pretty strong, bold statement, isn't it? All authority has been given to Jesus. Not just a little bit, not just some, but all authority. I had a boss when I was working at Wendy's. I used to work at a Wendy's when I was in high school. And, uh, and there was this one manager that was there that you would have thought he was Dave Thomas, right, by the way that he was acting. It's, it was like he was just a shift manager, but he thought that he owned the place, the way that he acted and the way that he treated people, right? He was given some authority, but he thought he had all of it. Jesus, on the other way around, did have all authority, Hear what Paul says about Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. This is verses 15 through 20. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Verse 18, in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Right? Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And we see here in Colossians that that Jesus is the, the perfect representation here. Right? He is the image of the invisible God. Right? He is God in the flesh, and he does have all authority. And notice that Jesus here is speaking in the past tense. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, not will be given to me, not at some future point, but here and now. Jesus already has all the authority. And then he says, therefore, right? When you see the word therefore, you have to ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore, right? It's there because that command that Jesus gives, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations is there because of Jesus's authority, right? He, you know, why do we go out and make disciples? Why has this commission been given to us? Because Jesus said so, right? And moms, you know how effective that answer can be, right? Because I said so. Right? That's what Jesus is essentially saying here. I have all the authority. I have all the power. I am God in the flesh. Therefore, go and make disciples. Right? It's a command he's given to all of us in and through his authority. But another question is not just why did he give this responsibility, but why did he give it to us? Right? Jesus calls us to make disciples because that's the way that he builds his church. is through his people. Right? Jesus could have sent angelic messengers. He could have opened up the sky and spoke from heaven. But he chooses to work in and through his people, in and through his church, to build his church. And I don't know why sometimes he chooses to do that, because we are fallible people. 
right? We are sinners, we are broken, and we make mistakes. But yet it is in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, right, in our mistakes that God is often glorified because that's where his grace and his mercy and his power can be shown. And so God uses broken people to build his church, and he wants to use you to do that. And we can do that only when we focus on Jesus as God and Lord. It's born out of our worship of him, and and it's in and through his authority as Lord of heaven and earth. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Right? That's who we're called to be as God's people. Right? We are a royal priesthood. We are all priests in service to God to proclaim him. Right? That's that's our mission. That's our goal. And that's why Jesus gives us this great commission. So third question, and this is where the rubber hits the road, how do we live it out? Right? We've seen who's called to make disciples. We've seen why Jesus gives, this com- gives us this command. And finally, how do we live it out? Well, there's three things to note here in the Great Commission itself. And the first thing is a very simple word, Go. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And the word there in the original Greek is actually a participle, which means going, right? As you're going, it means ongoing action, right? This isn't just a one-time thing. This isn't a, I did that once when I was younger and don't have to do it anymore because I checked it off my list. This is all of us ongoing action, making disciples. And it also points to the fact that it's an intentional effort. Right? Discipleship just doesn't happen by accident. And, and I should say discipleship towards Christ doesn't just happen by accident because we are all disciples of something. Right? We all follow something, whether we realize it or not. Maybe it's the culture, maybe it's politics, maybe it's our favorite sports team, but we're all disciples of something. And what Jesus is calling us to do is be intentional about making disciples of Jesus, making disciples of his word. And so we need to be intentional about discipling people to follow Christ because they're already following something. And so we want to point people towards Jesus. And we're called to go to all nations, right? We're called to go and make disciples of all nations. I want to read for you just one verse out of the book of Revelation, which will paint an amazing picture of of what heaven is going to look like, what this little glimpse of what God's people looks like in glory. Revelation, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Do you catch that? Right? All nations are represented in God's kingdom and in his people. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Right? So we're called to go to all nations and spread the gospel. And, and that's what, you know, in a sense, if you want to call them professional missionaries do, right? They go out of their comfort zone. They go out of their place of origin to spread the good news to people that may have not heard it or may not be very well reached at that point. But let me also note this for us, that 
the call to go to all nations includes our own. It includes our own communities. It includes our own families. It includes our own workplaces. As I mentioned already before, we don't have to go to Asia or Africa to fulfill the Great Commission. New Knoxville is the missions field. New Bremen, Wapakoneta, St. Mary's, wherever you find yourself, right? That is your mission field. Your workplace is a mission field. Your home is a mission field. And God wants you to make disciples of all nations near and far. I think, Pastor Tori, this is coming off the top of my head, but I think you're the one that shared this with me about a church that you uh, worked in or belonged to. When, when, when people exited the church, there was one main entrance that people would, would normally leave out of. And there was a sign, not facing out, but it was facing in, so people would see it as they exited the church. And it said, you are now entering the mission field. So every Sunday, they would, they would exit the church and they would see a sign reminding them that when they walk out of the four walls of their church, that's when they're entering the missions field. Right? We're all called to be missionaries. Because Jesus is Lord, we're called to that mission to spread the good news. And if Jesus is God, right, and if he is truly Lord, then we have a responsibility to tell others. We have a responsibility to share that good news. Let me be very blunt here. It would be neglectful and borderline hateful for us to not intentionally share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. If everything we've talked about here today is true, if Jesus is God who deserves our worship, if he is Lord who has all authority in heaven and earth, then, then to not share that good news with other people would be neglectful and borderline hateful. So let me ask you this question. Where is your mission field? Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 also describes us as ambassadors for Christ, right? Ambassadors are people who live in a foreign country or foreign territory, right? And they, they work to spread the good news of their country back home. Right? We are called to be ambassadors of Christ. Think of this church as our embassy, right? We come here. This is the place where we worship. We gather together as God's people to, to praise him and, and pray together and hear from his word. But when we go from this place, we are entering the mission field, right? When we go, we don't stop being the church. We don't stop being the body of Christ. We are scattered to be the body of Christ and to spread the good news in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces. So where has God placed you and how can you spread the good news of the gospel there? We also see that we are able to fill out, we fill up fulfill the great commission in two ways it says that to baptize those in the name of the father son and holy spirit and then teach them to obey everything that was commanded baptism here and throughout the new testament is a is a representation of the call to repentance and discipleship discipleship begins with a commitment to follow christ and baptism is the symbol that god gives us to publicly demonstrate our union with and our commitment to jesus Right, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preaches this sermon about Jesus, and the people ask, you know, they were, it says that they were cut to the heart, right? And they ask, what now shall we do? And, and Peter tells them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul is re miraculously released from prison, the guard who was standing there says, what must I do to be saved? And he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Right? Uh, discipleship always begins with that first step of committing your life to Christ. 
It includes confession and repentance. It's acknowledging sin and turning away from it. It's renouncing whatever, you know, quote, gods that you have in your own life. We're baptized into the name of Jesus, into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are turning away from those things that used to control us and used to be our so-called gods. We are called out of a former way of living and into a new where we follow Jesus as Lord. And so discipleship includes a call to repentance of turning away from ourselves and turning towards Christ. But it also includes an ongoing component. That's why Jesus says that we must teach them to obey. Baptism or repentance is a one-time decision. Excuse me, that, that, that initial repentance is a one-time decision, but discipleship is also an ongoing process. It includes both knowledge and application. Jesus says we must teach people everything that he's commanded. That includes growing in knowledge of God and his word. God's word is the way that he's chosen to reveal himself. So if we want to know what it means to follow God, we need to be in his word. It says everything. Right? We don't get to pick and choose the teachings we like. Jesus calls us to teach all of it, even the uncomfortable parts. Right? God's word will always challenge us. I don't care who you are, how long you've been attending church, how long you've been reading his word. When you read it, there's going to be parts that are going to challenge you. If you don't, you're not paying attention. So we need to be studying God's word. We need to teach it, even the hard parts. And we need to, to make sure we're in the word so that we can pass that on to others. But it's not just head knowledge. It's not just final exam on the syllabus. It's also about living it out, obeying everything that, that Jesus has taught us. It's teaching to obey. So our knowledge must lead to obedience. It must lead to life transformation. I want to read one more passage of Scripture for you. That's from James chapter 1, in verses 22 through 25. James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Notice the difference there? We can hear, we can read the Bible, we can hear sermons preached, we can go to church, we can sing his praises, but if we're not living it out, if it's not making a difference in our lives, if we're not seeing real fruit and real change, we're missing the point. Discipleship is more than just information transfer. It's, it's obedience to Jesus as God and Lord. And again, close with this thought. We need to be disciples in order to make disciples. So if you want to live out the Great Commission because he's, that's what he's called us to do, you need to make sure you're discipling yourself first so that you can then disciple others. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word and the call that you placed on each one of our lives to go and make disciples. May your word be made known in our own lives, in our homes, and around this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close our service today, we're going to have a, a little kind of a two-part uh, uh, final song here. Uh, the song's going to begin uh, with praise team leading a special music. Uh, the uh, song is no one ever cared for me like jesus i invite you to prayerfully hear the words and listen 
Um, and then it's going to transition into the, the hymn, I Love to Tell the Story, which is number 297 in your blue hymnals. And we're going to sing verses 1 and 3 together. So praise team, you're going to invite you to, to lead us. And I invite you to prayerfully listen. And then when the transition comes, stand and let's sing that hymn together. children tell their children let this be their memory that all my treasure was in heaven and you were everything Oh. 
now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. You may go in peace. Amen. Thank you.